0: Well, it's great to be here with you this morning and uh, great to be diving into a sermon series together. We're on the back end of Thanksgiving weekend and, and uh, hopefully you were able to take a little bit of town time and relax a bit with family and uh, laugh together and share together and, and uh, do whatever needed to be done for that week together. Some of you may have even already gotten Christmas lights up. Congratulations on that, right? The majority of you in here are like, oh my word, I haven't even come close to that. And uh, that has to happen in December, right? And, uh, and so my thought was, like, when we get to Christmas, we always set our stuff up the day after uh, Thanksgiving. So we do Thanksgiving up in DeKalb. We go up, we meet up with family. There's like 40 or 50 that get together up there. And uh, we usually have a couple of turkeys spread out and just do family together and uh, come back home and relax that night. And then the next morning we get up and I take the girls out and uh, we do a little breakfast thing together, just uh, my two daughters and me and uh, give John a little rest moment. She's actually working out or something, but it's not really a rest moment, but we take the girls out, and then then when I get back home, then after that, we end up putting up uh, all of our Christmas stuff, which over the years, have you ever noticed this? It's getting less and less for us. Like as the girls get older, we're just putting less and less things out. I don't know about you guys. I'm thinking like in 20 years, we're going to be like, yeah, we put a red light in the front, and we're done, right? I don't know. It seems to be getting less and less over time as we go, but Man, it's time to just take a deep breath, get ready, and we're heading into a season here where we can celebrate and make much of our Savior, and we're in the middle of a series here called Generous. I'm just telling you that this series is celebrating who our God is, Generous, and Him coming into this world as the Savior of the universe is Him being, and all of God's people said, generous. Say it bigger, say it louder. It is Jesus Christ being generous, generous, man. That's what it's all about. May we celebrate our Savior. And so we've been walking through the book of 2 Corinthians in chapters 4, 5, 6, and 7 this fall was about living fearlessly. What does it mean to take a stand with my God no matter what, undaunted? Here's the things I need to understand. Here's what I need to go after. And Man, once we grasp all of that and God pouring into us his love, his hope, his passion, his compassion, man, it just wells up within us a heart of generosity. And so as he gets to chapters 8 and 9, that's exactly what he's talking about, is living life generously. So this series is called Generous, and uh, today we're looking at giving above reproach, giving above reproach. So turn with me, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 starting in verse 16, 2 Corinthians 8, starting in verse 16, and uh, we're just going to dig in a little bit here. Uh, The first point, live blamelessly and above reproach in all things. Live blamelessly and above reproach in all things. He starts out in verse 16, but thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you, For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. And he starts out, but thanks be to God. Let's just stop there for a moment. And we need to live life with those words. Thanks be to God. It is so easy for us to live life with words that are complaining and whining and frustrated. It is so easy for us to get distracted. It is so easy for us to take on the wrong that another has done. And all of a sudden, we're like, how unfair. And all of a sudden, that eats us up. And I'm just telling you, thanks be to God. There is a freedom in that. And sometimes we need to go back and just take the basics on that lesson. And learning to say it. And uh, I'm in the same boat, man, and learning to be able to just say the simple thanks be to God. And uh, super clear here as Paul starts out, it's not an afterthought, it's the forethought. I will thank my God. Thanks be to God. Everybody just say it with me. Thanks be to God. And so whatever's going on in your life, be able to set aside some of those frustrations and understand that you have a God who loves you who has died for you, who has risen again, who cares about you with all he's got, and he is pouring in a compassion to your life. Thanks be to God. And as Paul goes on here, he's like, let me be really clear about why in this case. Thanks be to God, who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. Who put into the heart of Titus an earnest care. And uh, he's like, man, I love Titus. Notice, though, he didn't say this thanks be to Titus. He didn't, everybody say, not that. He didn't say that. He's like, thanks be to God. He put this heart of compassion and earnest care into Titus. See, here's the deal, man. We serve the sovereign God. We serve a God who is in charge of the universe. And yes, he's even putting into our souls a passion and a compassion. Did you know this? Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father of lights with whom is no variableness or shadow of turning. There's a quote from the King James, right? Uh, James chapter one. And uh, he does not alter this. Every good gift is from God. And so every moment where you look to another human being and you're like, I love that guy. I love what they're doing. I love their heart for it. Just know this, God behind them, building into them, pouring into them. Thanks be to God. Every horizontal thank you moment should absolutely turn to a vertical thank you moment. And all of God's people said, it's a huge deal. We have to grasp that God is sovereign over everything. He is at work in our lives. He has something to say and he is doing something in this world. And every time we come across a person who's expressing a good character trait, praise God for that. Thanks be to God. And he's like, I love Titus, and I love what he's doing, and praise be to God for what he's doing in Titus. He has that same earnest care. I love that phrase, earnest care. Earnest, it means like you long for it, you hope for it, you're willing to rush it to bear, you want it to take place now. Now. You have this passion for it deep within your soul. You hunger for it, earnest care, that he couldn't wait to take care of their needs, to get there to the church at Corinth and make sure that they were being cared for. I'm just telling you, there is no greater battle cry for the heart of a shepherd than to say, earnest care no matter what i long for this to go well for them and i can't wait to be there on their behalf to love them and to be willing to die for them and to lay it on the line for them Man, when the person next to you is going through something so are you earnest care and that's our god He has a passion and a compassion for us as we go through the daily walk of life. And he says, I love that Titus had this earnest care. And he says, I have the same earnest care for you. Paul's like, man, I love that God has done this in me, and I love seeing it in Titus. We're kindred spirit in this thing. Thanks be to God. And uh, he says, for he not only accepted our appeal... He's like, hey, let me be clear. I did ask him to come along. I'm like, Titus, will you please be a part of this? Will you go with us on this journey? Will you go to Corinth and will you work with these people? Would you be willing to care for them and be a part of the plan of not only working with the church at Corinth and some of their needs, but then getting some of the blessings that they have as they pour out, collecting together and being able to take that on? Would you be willing to do that? There was an appeal. Paul did ask. But it was so much more than that. It's not like when he asked Titus, he's like, seriously, I have to go there again? I don't like going to see those guys, man. Seems like every time we go there, we have to confront about something. Could I please not go there? Like, everybody say, not that. It wasn't that. He said, yeah, I had an appeal to them, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. He has a passion for the church at Corinth. He has a love for what God is doing there. He is longing to see them grow, and so he's super fired up, excited about getting there himself. An earnest, genuine care, and he can't wait to get there and see them. Paul's like, look, man, I didn't just beg him and plead him to go. I suggested it, and he couldn't wait to get there. Paul's echoing the same thing he said in the first sentence. There is an earnest care given by God. And Titus knows exactly how to meet that out. Praise be to God, right? Man, we are called to have an earnest care for those around us, for this church, for your fam. Man, being able to pour it on, earnest care. Don't just live life for you. Live life for those around you. That's who your God is. That's his heart. May you echo his heart in your life. And uh, he says, for not only, uh, for he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. With him, we are sending the brother who is famous. We are sending the brother who is famous. Everybody knew this guy's name to the point where he decides not to put his name in here. He's like, I'm not putting it in. You know, the famous guy. What was he famous for? He was famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. This is a boy who knew how to bring it. God had given him a skill set and a talent in preaching and proclaiming the word of God, the hope of God, the gospel truth. And we don't know who this guy is. Even today, it's a mystery to us. We don't know. What we do know is Paul was like, that dude can preach, right? And it wasn't just Paul saying it. It's not like Paul was like, that guy can preach, right? And everybody else is like. I don't know. Like, that's not what it was. He's like, that guy can preach. And the churches are like, no kidding. And uh, hey, man, we're looking to have somebody come and kind of challenge the crew. Who do you think? You should have that guy. He can preach. And that guy's being brought in, known amongst all the churches for his ability to proclaim with authority the sweet name of Jesus Christ and the hope that we have in him, the gospel truth. That Jesus Christ died for us, that He rose for us, that He alone is our Savior and King. Man, this guy knew how to bring it. And Paul's like, "We're sending him along." And uh, so it's Titus and the world's greatest preacher, right? And uh, that's who we're sending. And uh, and uh, not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us. He has been appointed by the churches, and so this guy, this. Preacher, they're asking him to come along, but he's not just coming to proclaim, he's coming along for other purpose. He's going to travel with the gang that's going, yes, to Corinth and other places as they're collecting up for this giving that's going to occur, the need that's going on in Jerusalem and some of the other churches. And they're going to be collecting together, and this guy's coming along on the travel. He's coming with us, it says, as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us. This collecting together of funds and properties to be able to bring to needy churches. And as they come along to do this act of grace, this ministry, they're like, we're bringing a few guys with us. And we got Titus coming with, and we got the world's greatest preacher coming with, and they're traveling along to be with us while we minister this grace. Why? For the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. They're coming along, and we're going to do this act of grace where we're collecting together and ministering out to the churches, not so that you love me. Not that, but so that you would grasp who God is, and there would be an unbelievable glory of the Lord shown in the place as we together partner together. Man, please hear this. As you give to another, your main goal is not, everybody say not, is not... Boy, I sure hope they understand how awesome I am now. It's not that. It's, I sure hope they grasp the greatness of God Almighty. I sure hope that this becomes an expression of my Lord and His generosity into me. And so I'm longing to represent Him to them. And so, yes, for the glory of the Lord and to show our goodwill. We just love you, man. I love you. And I want you to know your God loves you and this is all about Him. And that's what healthy giving looks like. Make sure you're not giving, ready, to manipulate. Make sure you're not giving to try to get. Make sure you're giving to give. It all goes that way, right? Biblical giving. It's about the greatness of your God, it's about your love for them, and it is about them truly receiving, not, and now they owe me one, right? Not that. And uh, May God get all the glory in the midst of the give. He says, we take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. We take this course so that no one can blame us. He's like, all right, let me be frank. There's a few things we could have done, and I didn't have to bring along Titus and the world's greatest preacher, but I decided to do that for a reason, and I'm bringing them along so that we're blameless in the midst of this. You see, we expect to be collecting a pretty good amount of money. We expect to be collecting a pretty good amount of property, and we're going to be sharing that out, and you know what someone's going to say. Either they were so unfair in how they shared that out from there. Yeah, they collected stuff, but then they weren't fair and balanced in who they gave it to, right? They're going to blame us. Or maybe they'll say, I think they embezzled a little bit of that. Who says they didn't take a little bit? There was so much money given. I'm not sure they actually gave all that out. And Paul's like, we're bringing some people along to keep this whole thing honest. And uh, let me just say, checks and balances are super important. And all of God's people said. Man, we are none of us above check and balance. We get that, right? None of us is above being able to say, I'm going to live in a way that can clearly verify I'm living this thing out with integrity. We all need to sit under that. Everybody gets that, right? And that's a big deal. I'm just telling you, even in our church offices, we run this way. It's not like I can just walk up and say, all right, I want to check. Give me this amount of money. I don't get that. Like, we have a policy and a procedure. There's a couple of signatures that have to happen. We have to make sure that we've worked together, and I haven't lost my nut. And all of God's people said, and that's how we work. There is no way for this thing to go off the rails. We're following through with procedure. There is good check and balance, and we're all good with that. Because that honors the Lord, it keeps us in check, and it makes sure that no matter who's looking in, they can see we're running this thing with integrity. We're super fired up. Checks and balances are super biblical. Are you willing to sit under? And You might be in a spot where that actually is a touchy topic. Maybe you're in an organization where you prefer to not have check and balance on you and it's time to actually embrace it. It's time to hear that you do need to sit under authority and you need to give proper answer to and you want to make things clear that you're willing to do what's right. And that's what Paul's saying. He's like, I want to be super crystal clear here. Uh, this is for check and balance to make sure that we don't get blamed for something in the middle of doing something good. We're not going to go after sharing out the money and the possessions that are all shared with us and then have somebody falsely accuse. And so we're wise to how we manage this and we put ourselves under. We take this course so that no one should blame us about the generous gift that is being administered by us. He says, now, just a great statement here For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. Man, let that settle. For we aim at what is honorable. Not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. In other words, it doesn't matter that I meant it for good and I did it right. It also matters how it looked and appeared above reproach. Super important. For we aim at what is honorable. Not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. Super important. So let's just say it together. For we aim, say it with me. You say it again, for we, aim. for we aim, this is our intent, this is our target, at what is honorable. Say it with, at what, is at what is honorable, for we aim at what is honorable, at what is honorable. Just say it again with me, say it loud, at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, say it with me, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. Say it with me, but also in the sight of man. Just so you know, uh, that's how you memorize scripture too, by the way. One phrase at a time, get it nailed down, abut the phrases together. For we aim, say it with me, at what is honorable. And now let's say it all together. For we aim at what is honorable. And that's memorizing scripture. One phrase at a time. One piece at a time. Build it together and continue to say it over and over until you have it hidden in your own heart. For we aim at what is honorable, above reproach. May God get all the glory. Hear me, men. It takes false accusation and drops it on the ground. Because you are working with others, you have check and balance, and it doesn't matter what is said, God will be glorified. And all of God's people said, amen. And that is biblical. For we aim at what is honorable. And uh, super important that God sees it, super important that it can be checked with man as well. Okay? That is an absolute essential for this church. And uh, just so you know, as we walk through life... Uh, here we do a lot of ministry, and you know we love to plant churches right that is a big deal. We were planted two thousand and six this church was planted, and we love to plant out. We planted Harvest Bible Chapel, Denver in two thousand and ten. And uh, Pastor Jeff Schwartzentraub is actually in town this past week for Thanksgiving, and we had a chance to just sit down and chat a little bit. He came into the office here, and we connected together for a while, and just great to connect back with him and hear what's going on. Got his blessings so well in Denver, and, and uh, you know they've got their own facilities, actually two of them. They've got a campus as well, and a church that's running well over 1,200, 1,300, and just going, and God's doing some great stuff there, and praise God for that. That's a plant from 2010, man. And look what God has allowed us to be a part of. We planted South St. Louis this last year. We planted three churches in Haiti and actually three more to come this next year. That's a ton, man. We've got seven, eight churches that will be planted by the end of next year. And just so you know, as we plant in Haiti, um, it takes a lot of money. It takes some money to get it started. But the reality is there's a lot of poverty down there. And so as we get something up and going, we need to support it as well. And so this church has some monies out of our missions. We have about 10% of our annual budget is set aside for missions. And you may not even know that, but 10% is going for missions. Uh, Absolute and outright. Amen. Praise God to that. And as we go for that, uh, we're serious on it. And it takes a good chunk of money going into Haiti to get some things planted and up and running, and more than even what this church can afford. And so we have other churches partnering with us, and there's monies being sent to us to go to Haiti. Everybody say, "Uh uh-oh. Right? And now let's talk about this passage for a moment. For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. And so when money comes in from another church to go to Haiti, we don't just throw it into our general fund and go, boy, I hope we remember about that. Like, that's not what we do. What we do instead is we've got a separate account, and we call it the Haiti Initiative Account. And it's specifically just to track those monies coming from the other churches, so that we know we can honor their intent in what's going on with that. And that account that we work with together and keep track of has a budget for the year, and we track against it. Pastor Steve McGinnis and myself sit down numerous times throughout the year, like, where are we at? How's it going? Where are we at with the accounts in it? How are we doing with getting the payments down there? We are making sure that never, ever, ever does any church in Haiti go a month without income. And all of God's people said, and we do that with high integrity. And we do that with check and balance. In fact, we even then let those churches then know, here's the amount that's in the account. Just want you to know. Here's what's going on. Here's the things that have been accomplished. Tons of communication. For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of man. And all of God's people said, Okay, question. So what in your life Needs to be kind of shored up a little bit. How are you doing with living life honorably and above reproach in every area? How you're spending your time, how you're investing in your entertainment pieces, whatever that is, how you're spending your money, what you're investing into. Are you wisely managing in a way that is honorable? Yes, to the Lord and also has some level of check and balance, and you're making sure that everything is cool there. uh, You might be like, I think so. Yeah, I think I'm good. Like, that's great. And if you're like, "Uh, I don't think so, then today's the day to start to work on it, right? Let's make sure we live above reproach. Let's make sure we give Above reproach. Not in order to receive, but making sure God gets all the glory. And all of God's people said, All right. Point number two: Partner. Partner with others that do the same. Partner with others that do the same. Man, who you choose as friends is super, super important. I've said this before: there is ministry and there is friendship. Be very careful of knowing the difference. Ministry is when you're caring for their needs. Friendship is when you actually can let them help you and guide you because they're going to live life with such high integrity that they're going to lift you up. Friendship is when you can lean on them. Ministry is when you're helping give to them and bring them up. Man, make sure you know the difference. Pick your friends wisely, partner well. Okay? He says here, and with them, with who? With Titus and the miracle best in the world preacher, right? With those two guys, uh, with them, we are sending our brother whom we have tested and found earnest in many matters. Again, Paul's like, I'm not telling you his name. <laughs> we don't know why. Paul's like, for this one moment, I've decided not to use any names. Like, Paul loves using names. We're really not sure why he didn't. Was he trying to keep some humility thing going? Did he just try to find how many Greek words he could put into a sentence instead of just putting a guy's name? Like, what's he doing? Why didn't he just say, hey, I'm sending so-and-so along? And uh, we don't know. Clearly, he had the guy in mind, and he's got a third guy now. He's like, we are sending our brother whom we have often tested and found earnest in many manners. Like, this guy has a heart beating for the things of the church. And we've tested him. What does that mean? This isn't some grueling, nasty, mean thing. Here's what it means. It means biblically when someone comes into the church, you ask them simply according to Scripture, you invite them to the foot of the table, and they begin to serve. And as they humbly serve and make it about their God, they get raised up into managing more. And as they kind of serve well at that level and manage well, they get raised up more. That's what Paul's talking about. He's like, man, we found them and tested them as we worked with them, and things went so well. We continue to raise up. When someone comes into the church and says, you need to put me up front, everybody needs to hear what I have to say. Just so you know, that guy's not going up front. And uh, there's a reason for that. We're absolutely doing the, be careful, pride can be the undoing of a church, And we're walking carefully and cautiously through this together as we all partner together. And all of God's people said, that was a weak amen. And all of God's people said, for we aim at what is honorable, right? And so we're going to be cautious with that. And it isn't just every prideful, boisterous mouth gets to take control. It's come in and Invited to the foot of the table, serve with us. Let's go after this together. And as we see faithfulness, we entrust to faithful men, Timothy, and we raise up. That's exactly what Paul is talking about. Please be super wise with this in your own life. Make sure that you are partnering with those who have been tested and entrusted. They're doing well along the path, and then they're looking for more in the midst of that as they have already faithfully walked so then they are walking to the next level with you with respect. Hey, just so you know, the world is like super against this plan. Heads up. Like here's the world's plan. Come in the room. Let everybody know how awesome you are, right? Let them know what you think of you and then see if they'll agree with you and give you as much as you can get and take all they'll give. That is the world's plan. It's, come on, it's like a self-marketing plan, right? You come in the room and you're like, I am awesome. It is self-proclaimed. Now come see and meet me as I share out with you my greatness, right? That is the world's plan, man. And you have to push in every worldly environment. That's what they're calling you to do. Make much of yourself. Come on. Wow me. I've heard that phrase this past week. Wow me. Oh my gosh. Does that not, that is the world's plan. Wow me. No, man. I'm going to serve like crazy. I'm going to make my God honored. I'm going to do my job well. And then you figure out what you want to do. And uh, make much of your God, make much of your boss's plan and what they want accomplished, help and serve there and watch God be glorified. That's God's plan. It's a seasoned vet plan. It doesn't get fast payoff. But over the course of time, you find yourself tested and truly growing. God doing an amazing work in your life. Because it isn't about the pride welling up and spilling over. It is about you serving your God. That's the plan. All right? Okay. He says, and with them we are sending our brother whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters. But who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. And this guy loves the church. He loves what's going on in Corinth. He can't wait to get there and serve. He has faithfully served where he was at. He's raising up through the ranks to the point where Paul is like, all right, man, I'll send you. I'm not going to use your name, but I'll send you. And I, and I don't know if there's something buried in that or not. Maybe he's like, if I use the name, you would be like, I don't know that guy. I don't know what's going on. But Paul chooses not to share the name. He just sends him to serve with all he's got and he's been faithful in many matters now confident in the church he says now as for titus he is my partner and my fellow worker for your benefit he's like let me talk about titus this boy is a partner and we share kindred spirit. We long to see the things of the church and the things of our God go exactly the same way. Every time he starts to speak, I'm like, yes, so that. And partnering up, making much of your God along the way. Partnering and a fellow worker carrying load, right? He's like, here's what I love about Titus. He walks in a room and whatever needs to be done, he cares for, right? Let's make sure we're the one that walks in the room and doesn't go, all right, how can I get known very quickly in here? Let's make sure we walk in the room and say, what's trying to be accomplished and how do I honor my Savior and how do I serve? And all of God's people said, that is our call, a servant heart with all we've got as for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. The church benefits as we live this way. Each and every person in here benefits as you take on this humble role, willing to see God glorified and going after it with all you've got. And as for our brothers, uh, they are messengers of the churches. And as for our brothers, he's like, these other two guys, you know, T- Titus is one thing. He's, he's my fellow worker. He's my partner. But these other guys... The dude who's like really tested and doing well and the world's greatest preacher guy. Those two guys, they're now brothers. They're, they're messengers. They're not partners. Notice that. He's like, I'm not working as closely with these guys. I can't speak to as much with them, but I can tell you this. They are messengers for the churches and they're bringing a hope. They are the glory of Christ, the churches. Did you know that? This church. You in this church, living for your God, worshiping your God, allowing him to change you, getting fired up and passionate because Jesus Christ is the most awesome being in the universe. He is the creator and sustainer and provider. And you walk in and you're like, I'm fired up about Jesus Christ. Let's make it happen about him. I want him exalted as this church lives that way. You are the glory of Christ. That's your job, man. To thank Him, to praise Him, to show Him off. Not to walk out of here going, My glory was achieved, but to walk out and go, His glory was achieved. I am the glory of Jesus Christ. This church on fire for Jesus Christ will exalt His name. And all of God's people said, It will not come without cost. But man, are we ready to make much of him? Let's get fired up about being his glory. His glory. All right? So, Paul's little final parting shot here in chapter 8. Give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. Let's put this in modern terms. Dude, don't make me look like a fool. I've talked about how you got it going on and you're coming around, man. Make sure your giving comes rolling out in big measure. Please honor your God. Please honor what's going on in these churches and lifting people up. Let's partner together. That's Paul's challenge and a simple challenge for us. Are we willing in what God has given us, ready, to give first to the Lord We've talked about before. Give first to the Lord, then spending on whatever it is, saving and the the needs, whatever it is, the food, shelter, clothing, education, all that stuff is great. Spending on that, and then even with the excess, being able to enjoy. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the things that God has given you. You've given first to the Lord. Being able to save and spend along the way and even give over and above that God might get the glory are we ready to share out first to the Lord and even with the over and above generously as the glory of Jesus Christ? May God be shown off. Dude, that's worship on fire. That's what he's talking about. Okay. Let's just close with this. Have you ever sat on one of those stools that's got only three legs? Right? Right? It's got only three legs on it. And if one of them is a little short, you know, like when you go into one of those old school diners and they've got like a single table there and it's got a few leg things on the bottom of it and one of them's missing and the, diner, the table is just doing this the whole time, right? And what's the first thing you do? Like you grab a bunch of napkins and you wad it up and you shove it underneath to try to balance it out, right? What are we doing? We're trying to make it all the same length, right? And I'm just telling you, like a three-legged stool, so is your life, like a three-legged stool, And you need to make sure that all three legs are balanced. And the first leg of the stool is God's value system. God's value system. What does he value? Okay? God's value system. That's one leg of of your stool. The second leg of your stool is your value system. How close is your leg to God's leg in that? And if it's far off, man, it's going to be tipping all over the place. Your value system. That's the second leg. And here's the third leg, your friend's value system. Absolutely essential. And if your friend's value system is way short compared to God's or yours, man, I'm telling you, it's tipping all over the place. Life is going to be rough. Make sure that you're building a stool that's got three legs well and equally balanced. And here's the catch. One of them is absolute, God's value. It doesn't change. That's fixed. Now your value needs to line up with his, and so your friends, and those are the ones you call partner, fellow worker. We're in this together. Man, may we live in a way that honors Jesus Christ. May we give in a way that honors Jesus Christ. May we partner in a way that honors Jesus Christ, all to exalt his name.